0: Amen. Well, they didn't say it that loud, but. Wow, Mitchell, it's such a pleasure to have you come. It's just so, so cool to say that you're coming from Nashville, too. We just can't say that enough. Do you know this guy's from Nashville? I think when you just live there, it's in the water, right? You just this, right, yeah. this, this, you start writing songs and yeah, they should bottle Nashville water because we need some of it here. Um, good, good thing. And thanks, thanks, uh, thanks for just, yeah, everything you do, you, you've done here today is amazing. Um, and also Chris Schmoke on the drums. Did he, his, I get apparently I talked to his kids today, and they said that they didn't even know that he played drums. So he plays bass usually um, in our band, and uh, yeah, it's really great. And we're glad to welcome France playing ba- playing bass today with the band. That was really great, Spencer McCroskey. What a great band! I feel like it's a it's a lot to have that much that much. Uh, that much abundance of, of talent in one room. It it's kind of feels like a small room to have such amazing artists playing such great music in this little, little venue. It's, it's amazing. Well, I want to ask you a question as we start out. What is a lot? What is a lot of money to you? What is a lot of grace? Or a lot of love? Or a lot of kindness or a lot of compassion? What's a lot of joy? Or a lot of accomplishment? I heard a story the other day about a man in Ottawa, Canada. And he went into a TJ Horton's coffee shop and he ordered a double-double. Does anyone know what that is? And no one knows what it. I, don't, I asked baristas all over California. No one knows what a double-double is. He ordered a double-double coffee and he ordered a donut and then he asked the clerk, how many large coffees do you serve in a day? And the clerk said, a lot. Then the man handed the clerk his debit card and said, I want to pay for the next 500 large coffees that are ordered here. So the clerk ran up, rang up $895 on his debit card. The guy walked out. And then a, a movement started all over Canada of people pouring it forward. They were copycats. And generosity. And some people gave as many as 500 cups of coffee, and some people gave as many as 800 cups of coffee to the people who were coming in line after them. I heard another story about a, a guy, he was a younger brother who passed away. And in his last will and testament, he asked his older brother to go to a pizza parlor and to give a big tip to the server. And when he meant a big tip, he wanted the server to receive a $500 tip. For what, bringing the pizza to the table. And so they did this. They recorded the experience of giving the $500 tip to the server and they posted it on YouTube to share with their friends and their family and people who knew the younger brother who had passed away. Well, people all over the world started sending money to this family saying, Can you please do it again? We want to see this happen again and again. And so they received so much money that they've done this 98 times in 50 different states. And they always record it and put it online. And it's great to watch the videos of the of the servers who are just crying. Because you get the sense that most of the time this comes just at the time that they need it most in their life. I remember when I was a bagger at a grocery store like Ralph's. It's called Albertsons. Do they have Albertsons around here? So I, I was a bagger at Albertsons. And I was a teenager. And it was a miserable job. I don't even think that's part of the story. But I just wanted to share with you how miserable I was. But a guy named Bud came in, and he was a member of our church. I'd known him for a long time. And he asked me for help out to his car with his groceries. So I helped him out, put the, car, uh, the groceries in the car. We talked a little bit. And then he slipped a piece of paper in my pocket and said, have a good day, son. He got in the car and drove away. And after he'd driv- driven away, I remembered the paper, pulled it out, and inside the piece of paper was a $100 bill. To say I was happy would be an understatement. My miserable day went into an amazing day. I ran home with the good news of the generosity that I'd received, and I told everybody. I had a perma-smile. Do you know what a perma-smile is? It doesn't go away. You just keep smiling and smiling. And even today, when I recall that moment, I smile. See, generosity has power, doesn't it? And we're told by the Bible, we're told in the Bible, that, that generosity, when we experience it, Clues us into God's love. It helps us understand how much God loves us, the vastness of God's love for us. And every time we experience generosity or we get to be a part of generosity, we can either say, "God loves us more than that." And every time we get to be a part of it, we can tell other people, "God loves you more than that." And so we've been looking at the text from Galatians five twenty two through twenty three. Can you believe it for? nine sermons we've been looking at a one sentence from the bible and every week we've looked at a different characteristic of god a different character trait of god and god's work in our lives and so the scripture is galatians 5 chapter 5 verse 22 through 23 and it says by contrast the fruit of the spirit the fruits of the spirit are love joy peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness and self-control and stuck right in the middle there is the word generosity and what we learn from the bible is that when we experience any kind of true generosity in this world when we experience that generosity we are seeing god's fingerprint in our lives and in this world We're seeing God at work. It it has the DNA of God written into it, generosity. But if I'm really honest with you right now, I'm a very generous person. And if I'm real about the world around me, I'd have to admit that the world does not seem like it's bent on being generous every day. In fact, I'd say that most of, and this is speaking from my own personal experience, most of the actions that I do in my life are are self-centered. They're about, even, even when I'm giving, sometimes it's to get back. You know, experience giving something just, just with the presumption that somehow you're going to receive back again. And and what's more is it seems that the people that we encounter that are in need, or at least I do, I judge them. And more often than not, rather than saying yes to the need, I say no. Because I somehow believe that I don't have enough. Am I alone? Do you guys have similar experiences like this? So I decided to look through scripture to find if other people demonstrated generosity in scripture. And what I found is this this amazing story of Jesus in the temple. When he is sitting and watching the crowds deposit their offering in the temple and in the temples in the temple there they had this large metal funnel this large uh funnel that the offering would get dropped into and it was coins at the time so you would hear the offering being poured in and the text tells us that jesus saw a lot of rich people dumping their coins in and there was a kind of uh there was a kind of assumption that when the offering got poured into these large metal funnels that the noise of it would go up and make god happy well more often than not it became something to show off to go and stand there with your friends and say you know listen to the amount of 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 coins that i'm pouring in today and jesus pointed over brought his disciples around he get, he did a little huddle with his disciples and he said do you see that widow over there that poor woman you could just assume that widows in the Bible were poor. They didn't go and get extra jobs when their husband died. They just were poor. And she put two widow's mites. Later they were called widow's mites. But they were, they were half of a penny. So the two of them weighted to one penny. And it was all she had is what Jesus said. And, she, and he said that what she put in is worth more than all of the other offerings combined. Of all the people who felt really generous about themselves. All of these other people who were who were almost in a way bragging about how generous they were. And you can bet that that widow didn't feel very generous as she was giving what she had. You see, there is this struggle between generosity and how much we feel that we are giving and how much we are not giving in life but jesus is is telling us this one nugget he's telling us through this story that giving is about the heart it's not about the amount it's about the heart that you give it with and i heard this incredible story about some giving that took place and and i know that the people who i'm talking about right now are probably squirming in their seats because they were giving out of a out of their true heart, they weren 't being to be recognized in any way, but they were two guys that got together and i 'll leave their names out of it for now, but they were two guys that got together and they they started to brainstorm how they could be generous in someone 's life in this church and so they decided that they would try to help someone who was in need and they started talking about who would be in need in this church, and they identified you know, who would be really nice to serve is the oldest member of our congregation, Ruth Cornell, who's 101 years old at the time. She's, yeah. So then they went to her house and they looked at the yard and it needed to be completely refurbished. It needed, it it didn't just need a mowing, but it needed help. And so they planned and they got together a little crew that included a six-year-old named Bradley McCroskey, who's sitting there. And Bradley probably couldn't dig quite as much as the big guys I bet you did most of it but but see Bradley put his all into it and so did his dad Spencer and so did Augie and and the story goes that apparently Augie had to be at the grad night do you know what that is from two until five in the morning or something like that the night before another guy Jim you met earlier today he had to drop something off at the airport right beforehand see none of this actually fit within their lives None of it was convenient. But they decided that they would go on an adventure of generosity. And the story is a beautiful one, and I'm going to get it completely wrong, so you'll have to ask them afterward. But apparently Ruth made this incredible pie or cake for them while they, were, while they were waiting and insisted that they come in and eat it. So much for burning off the calories while doing the generosity factor. But you see, when I heard about that story, I, I thought that's what this church is called to be about that's what all of what we talk about on sunday is about it's about using our creativity and our minds in order to find out some way to express god's love to the world around us and i just have this image of ruth cornell looking out of her window out onto the street and onto the world every single day and as she looks through that yard that has been completely redone new paving stones new landscaping she sees God and hears God saying, I love you that much and more. That every day she's reminded by, of God's generosity. Now, the Bible teaches us that we need to try to understand God's generosity to us. And that's how we can extend generosity to others. So, For thousands of years, people were trying to figure out how to translate God's generosity to other people. What would it be like? I mean, we're so different from God. How how would God do it? And then Jesus Christ came. Now, it was in a worship service when I heard this for the first time. Jesus Christ was God fully and fully man, but also fully God. So that means when Jesus walked around, we saw how God would move and how God would walk around in this world. That means when Jesus responded to need in this world, we saw how God would respond to need and how God would have conversations about need. So there's this great, great story in the Bible about Jesus. Um, He decides to go on a vacation. Well, not a vacation, just a retreat, just a couple of days by himself because he was being bombarded. Once people found out that he could heal them, once the best teacher in the world. I mean, this was like Bono from U2 times a thousand. People wanted to flock to Jesus. So his fan club was growing big time. And so he decided to go on this retreat. Unfortunately, people found out where he was going to vacation. They found out where he was going for his retreat. And they followed him, probably in groups of 50, but 100 groups of 50, or more. We're told that there were 5,000 people that followed him out to this really remote place where he was hoping to go alone and just get some time to probably rest and recuperate and recharge. And it says that he had compassion on them and he started to heal the people who came out to this remote location. And after a while, the people became hungry. There was no food for anybody to eat because they didn't plan on maybe going so far. You know, you just start on a little journey and you end up there. They didn't plan for everything to take so long. And what, ha- what they tell us is that the disciples came to Jesus with this problem and they said, you know what, we don't have any food and the people are going to start to revolt. You know what happens with 5,000 people who have no food? <laughs> it's not a good situation. And so Jesus, Owen, as much as you can get. And bring it to me. And so they went, and the, and the Bible tells us that there was a boy who gave two fish and five loaves of bread and brought it to Jesus. And the disciples brought it to Jesus, and they set it before him and and said, now what are we going to do? Jesus blessed the food and said, now distribute it among the people. And so Jesus spread the food. Uh, Jesus sent the disciples out into the, into the uh, 5,000 people, and the food somehow multiplied itself. It somehow it grew in amount through a miracle of God. And as a result, they, they came back with 12 basketfuls of food, 12 basketfuls. And it says in scripture that people ate until they couldn't eat anymore. It was like Thanksgiving dinner. It was so much food. You see, sometimes we go to God with our problems and we want God to solve the problem by telling us where the nearest restaurant is or God to tell us where we should go in order to fix this problem. Um, but what we don't realize is God loves to surprise us. Just like he did with me at the checkout stand with Bud who slipped that piece of paper in my pocket. That man turned my world upside down. And just like Spencer and these guys did when they were it started this group called God's Gardeners. I hope it continues. And they turned the soil upside down and also turned the world upside down for this wonderful old woman, Ruth Cornell. God loves to turn our world upside down. And so sometimes we feel that the problem that we have is too big and that the solution we have is too small. And we take that and we give it to God and we say, take this Lord and, and, and do what you will with it. And God loves to multiply what we give to him. And one of the assumptions of, a uh, of, a very poor theology that is, has been recycled in, in modern culture today, it's called prosperity gospel. Does anyone know what that is? The idea is that if you give God a lot of money, that you'll get even more, that you will receive money if you give money to God. And so there, there are some people who even kind of say, you know, if you're going to be a really generous person, and even the sign of generosity in your life is having a Cadillac. That, that means that God loves you more than other people, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when it rains, it rains on good people and bad people. And when there's a drought, there's a drought for good people and bad people. But what it does tell us and what you do find in the gospel is that the gifts that we give to God and that we give to others multiply themselves for sure in the kingdom of God and in the lives of the people around us. See, that little boy gave those two fish and those five loaves of bread. It turned into 12 basketfuls for the 5,000. You see, when you've given an opportunity, had an opportunity to be a part of the Harambe ministries and let's together, get together and push, as they say. And you are able to contribute either your time or your talent or whatever you have. Remember, the scripture tells us that it's not about how much you have. It's about the heart that you give it with. And when you give in that way, it does multiply itself. And you see these people who might not have had an opportunity becoming doctors and becoming nurses and working for the city and and, and enjoying their life. And coming to know what God's love is for them in their life. And finally, the one way that we can experience God's generosity more than any other is through the cross, through God's forgiveness of us, that when we have turned our back on God and treated God kind of like a bad friend, that God continually chases after us and loves us more than we can possibly imagine that God has come to us with, with everything he has, and he has humbled himself and poured himself out In a way that has multiplied in the lives of people all around the world. Through the message of God's generosity and forgiveness. So I'll invite the band to come on up here. And we're going to finish with a song called Lord I Need You. Because I know that we're all struggling with those big problems of how to feed the multitude. And how how do we manage the issues and problems that we have in our life. Whether it's whether we want to have good grades or whether we're trying to be a certain kind of person for someone else. You know, if you are feeling like a person who's not very generous, then maybe God's got you right in the place where he wants you right now. In a place where you can, you can experience God's love in a new way and understand how generous God is. And not worry about your generosity, but starts to be a part of extending God's generosity to the world around you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done in this community and how you've taken a hold of the hearts of the different people in this room to be a part of bringing your love into the world in new ways. Thank you for Ruth Cornell, who is a wonderful 101-year-old woman. And who responded to the generosity that she experienced by writing a beautiful letter to our congregation about how much it meant to her. We pray that there would be many, many, many other examples this week in our life. And that we would, we would have you in our hearts and minds as we encounter the need. And we hear the cries for help. And we see the faces that we need to respond to. So Lord, shape us. Send us out. Help us to reflect your generosity to the world and to see your miracles taking place all around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.